0: into our third week of this series um, because I believe that the, the man, the culture that we're in, the, the society that we're living in. I, I don't know about you, but I, I like I'm like it, it really does feel like wh- where is the hope? Where where is the hope? And it seems like as soon as we feel like it's like settling down and. And things might be getting better, then something else rises up and, and something else takes the headlines and something else weighs on us. And wh- I want to answer the question, where is the hope? And the, the, where, the hope is sitting in front of me or is watching online. You're the hope. You, the body of Christ, are the hope. You are essential to what, if the, the restoration process that God has for this world, the re- redemption of this world is dependent upon you and I. We, the church is option A, and there is no option B. All right, we're getting some amens up in here. I'm, I'm getting it through. That, that is the point of this series, is that you are essential. And the verse that we've been going to, that we've used as our theme verse, is... Oh, is all of you together are Christ's body. And each of you is part of it. Each of you is part of it. Now, now this is where I'm going to confess. And and this is where any time a pastor gets up and begins to say, I need to confess, everybody gets a little antsy. Uh, In all seriousness, I I, I need to confess something. It's something that has been, I've had this as a motivation but I have not done well at it, uh, and that is equipping you to be a follower of Christ Monday through Saturday. Uh, we, we have done a fantastic job of creating an atmosphere on Sunday mornings. Uh, even when we when we couldn't meet, we had the ability to have our gatherings that were in different homes, but. But here's where I, I, I don't know, I don't, and I'm not alone. As I studied and prepared for this message, I f- have found and discovered that there are the majority of churches, the majority of pastors are not doing an effective job of equipping you to be a, a, a follower of Christ. Majority of Christians, 83% of Christians say they do not know how to be a follower of Christ on Monday. Do you know what that means? That means the majority of Christians are Monday atheists. You are a follower of Christ on Sunday, but there's a switch that you flip when you go to work, or you go into your position at school, or you go to be, operate as a mother, or you, you, you flip a switch and somehow that we, and that, that's, that is not your fault completely. It's going to be after today, uh, because <laughs> it is the responsibility of the pastor, the the fourfold, fivefold ministry, Ephesians four, to equip the saints to do what you've been called to do. And this part that we've talked about is that all of you together are part are to take the Christ body. What we've done in church, and here, here's where, uh, okay, we have three things that we do at authentic church. Okay, oh man. I got, like, anytime I have a message like this, I have short notes and lots to say. That's when you're in trouble, okay? So I'm trying to make sure I rein myself in. We do three things at Authentic Church. Three things. We follow Jesus Christ. We want to find freedom in Jesus Christ. And we want to fulfill our purpose through Jesus Christ. That's what we, that's our, that's what we do. Now, so much of it so begins... We can't fulfill our purpose in Jesus Christ, we can't find freedom in Jesus Christ until we follow Jesus Christ, that we spend the majority of our time and our, our energy talking about following Jesus. And that's, that is awesome, because God saved us from sin. He died on the cross, so our sins would be washed away, so that we could follow after Him. That's awesome. But He didn't just save us from something, He saved us for something. And this is where I want to spend the, the the this morning and possibly this could this is going to not not possibly. No, not even this will be the bedrock of where I go from now on. This will be the foundation of everything cuz here is what has happened. We have taken the Bible and we have said this is what we believe and this is what we go after. And we go and we talk about following Jesus. But we have, we have skipped over the first three chapters, Genesis chapter 1 through 3, and we cover all the rest of it, and we talk about it in reference to pointing to the cross and salvation, that Jesus saved us from sin, and then we forget that Revelation doesn't end at Revelation 20. It continues on. So, so he, here's, here's what we've done. This is what I have done, and this is what I'm confessing, is that I have taken what god said is the whole word of god and i've taken out pieces of it and this is what we do with our lives is we take out pieces of it and i I was i was tempted to use a real bible okay but then i was like what bibles cost money and i like bibles and some of you might take it the wrong way i just got a stack of paper representing the bible Bunches of things, and it's been woven together. And we take out it, and we're like, oh, man, I really like this part about the Gospels. It's really good. This part about the Gospels. And I can apply this to my life. I can definitely apply it to Sunday morning. Okay? And I really like how I feel on Sunday morning when we say, it's good, good, oh, I'm good. Yeah? We, 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 like to, we like the part where we, we, when things go bad that we can turn to him so there's, the, you know, those parts of the Bible. But what we do is we end up having pieces of it, but it's never bound together. And then when our world begins to fall apart and we can't seem to put it all back together, we're like, I don't know why. I don't know what has happened. It's because the Bible, the book is a great example has two ends it has covers okay but just having a ending a beginning and ending doesn't make it bound together what do you need the binding so this morning i want to talk to you about how you are it is essential to be integrated in your life this needs to be integrated into all of your life we talk about it but let's make it practical. Here's where uh, in Genesis, Genesis, very beginning, uh, uh, Genesis chapter 1, verse 28, then God blessed them. So God creates the world. Let me, let me just walk through this foundation. You guys ready? Because this is for not foundation just for this morning. This is foundation for a whole bunch of stuff. So foundation for this message and for the DNA of authentic church is that then God blessed them and said, be fruitful and multiply the first commandment. The first commandment God gives to mankind is not go and make disciples. The first commandment he gives us is be fruitful and multiply. So the foundation of our creation is not to be... uh, uh, Okay, this is where it's going to get fun. Because I have to make sure I say this right and then I don't be called a heretic. Okay, our foundation doesn't begin with becoming a preacher. See, this is the problem, and I've talked about this, but I, I still haven't applied this to help you, is that this position isn't different than your position. Okay? So here's what you have to understand. that This position of talking about Jesus isn't something that's you, that, that is set apart. It is that you, you are called to be fruitful and multiple. I fill the earth and govern it. Reign over the fish of the sea, the birds of the sky, and all the animals and that scurry along the ground. Then God said, look. I have given you every seed bearing. I placed this in your hand. You are now accountable for what I'm putting in your hands. I've given you every seed-bearing plant throughout the earth and all the fruit trees for your food. And I have given you every green plant as food for all the wild animals, the birds in the sky, and the small animals that scurry along the ground, everything that has life. And that is what happened. Then God looked over all he had made, and he said it saw that it was very Good. This is a message. All that, those, two, those last two words are a message all by itself. I'm going to get to. But I don't have time this morning. It is very good. I gave you and positioned you and put these things in your hands for you. I created you for this. And, th- and then it says that uh, Genesis 2.15. The Lord God took man and put him in the garden of Eden... To what? Work. To work it and keep it. Now, I, I, I man, this is where that word "work" is the Hebrew word "abad," abad. Now, a b a d. That right there. Like, yep, yeah, work. It's bad. Like when you get up on Monday morning, did you know there was, there, there, there was a study and the efficiency of work, uh, of the, the average worker on Monday morning is 30%. Your Monday work is 30% of what you're capable of doing. Because you get up on Monday morning and you're like, I gotta go to work and it's bad. We have a concept and it has been, it has been kind of pushed and uh, even talked about in, in, this, in this setting you just get through work. It's a bad. That same word, though, is actually the wor- same word that can be traded, tr- translated, worship. In fact, in Second Kings, when there Jehu's confronting, and I, I don't have enough time to get into this, he actually says the he uses this exact word to describe worshipers of Baal. They were, use, they were a bad, they were working for Baal. They were worshiping Baal. This same word can be translated worship. So he says, in the Garden of Eden, work it or worship God through your what? Work. Through your work. And this is where we, we have to understand, we've, we've taken out this first part that you were created to do what? Work. And through your work, it is actually Worship. You can jump to the end of the book, where we leave out. And what is God going to look at? Oh, I don't have, a, I don't have this in here. Uh, you can put, add this to your notes. Revelations 20, verse 12. That John is seeing this, and he's ending his description of heaven and all that he's seen. And he says, I saw the dead, both great and small, standing before God's throne. And the books were open, including the book of life. And the dead were judged according... To what they had done, the work that they did, how they worshipped God with what He gave them. This is the, this is the, here's here's where we have to begin. We have to reframe work. See, so we we have uh, God introduces Himself in the beginning. God created. He begins His description of Himself. ...as one who is working. His first description of himself is one who is actually put to work. And then he calls Adam and he says, Adam, I'm creating you... ...and you are going to be the gardener and you're going to cultivate this garden that I've given you. He's a worker. You can walk through the Bible and here's where the binding of it... ...so it begins and ends with work and all throughout Scripture is this understanding of work... Adam's a gardener. Abraham is an entrepreneur who does extremely well in his business endeavors. Uh, you, uh, uh, Joseph has a job as a shepherd, as a boy. Then is uh, sold into slavery, but becomes the manager of his, home, of his master's home. Gets put in jail because of some... I don't have time to get into the story. Gets put in jail and then becomes the warden of the jail... He takes every job and does it with excellence. Gets out of jail and becomes a politician, to the point that his politi- politics take him to the second position in the entire kingdom of Egypt. He, he has a he has a he's working. Then, then you go you can keep Daniel. Daniel literally climbs the corporate ladder. He's taken from his homeland, taken to Babylon, and he works his way through the Babylonian corporate ladder to the point that those that are his peers that are from Babylon look at him and go, man, we got to get rid of him. He's working. He's making, doing all these things. He's making us look bad. And they go, we got to find something. We can find some dirt on him. Anybody, we can find dirt on anybody, right? That's the people's jobs right now is to find dirt on people. So they... The, <laughs> They go, he says, let's go find some dirt. They can't find any dirt on him. So how did he get to the position of where he was at? Excellent work. Oh, man. See, right, I should spend a whole message right there. Let's just talk about Daniel. Because uh, Nebuchadnezzar has a mental breakdown. And then comes to Jesus. And who does he go to? to, to, to comes to know God? The Almighty? How does he come to know him? Through Daniel. Why does Daniel have that influence? Because he worked really, really well. He had excellence in him. Okay, you want to have some fun with this? If I were to say this name, what would you think of? Jesus. Lord and Savior. Most of the pictures, if, if you go and search, just put it in your Google search at some point. Paintings of Jesus. Majority of them are going to have Jesus on the cross because he saves us from sin. But a minimum of 19 years of his life on this earth, most, most Hebrew children would have been starting their apprenticeship around age 11 to age 30. He was a carpenter. He was working. When Jesus is baptized in the Jordan River by John the Baptist, the Father from heaven says, this is my son whom I'm well pleased. It's not because he's a preacher and doing miracles. What's he pleased in? He's pleased in the work that he's done up to this point. See, we, we, there is an there is a, a understanding, there's a foundational aspect of the Bible that we just quickly skip over, that we are created for work and not just average work, but work of excellence, that our, our work stands out. We are created to be workers. We have to, we have to change our, our understanding of this. See, Jesus spent three years in quote-unquote full-time ministry. And even that wouldn't be what we call full-time ministry. He spent 19 years wor- working as a carpenter. So he, he's, he, then, then you look at his disciples. Who does he pick as disciples? He doesn't go to the Pharisees. He doesn't go to those in full time ministry. He doesn't find any scribes. Who does he find? He finds a bunch of fishermen, a tax collector, and some tradesmen. And he says, You're the ones who are going to take the gospel to the rest of this world. Not somebody with a pulpit, not somebody with a mic, somebody who was working their job with excellence. Then you, you can go to Paul. Paul was a tent maker. The, all throughout Scripture, this is woven throughout, and we just skip over it. We hide, uh, okay. You, you want more? Forty-five, 43 of the 52 of Jesus' parables are, take place within a workplace. 122 of 132 of Jesus' appearances are in a workplace. 39 of the 40 miracles that take place in the book of Acts happen in a workplace. Not in a church service. We keep praying for God to give us the uh, renewal of the acts. So God, pour out your spirit. You know where the pouring out of the spirit took place? Not on Sunday morning. The pouring out of the Holy Spirit took place in the workplace. The miracles took place in the, in the workplace, in the, in the homes, in the place. that wasn't in a building that was designed for people to come together. No, they did take place every once in a while. In that position that doesn't mean it doesn't happen here it means the majority of them didn't happen in this type of setting i'm preaching really good I, I, i'm t- I, i'm i'm t- i'm i've got so much i've got to keep going the problem so we got to reframe it and then we got to redefine it so how we have defined work based upon compensation Work is not about compensation. Work is defined by contribution. So let me switch this for you. Work was established before the fall. Okay? Work was established before the fall. It's not part of the fall. It's not a result of the fall. Now work, like everything else, became cursed because of the fall. But just like everything else, God said, I'm going to redeem all things, Second Corinthians 5:17 uh, says, "Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he's a new crea- creation, and uh, the new creation has come, the old has gone, the new is here. All this is from God who reconciled us to Himself and gave us the ministry of reconciliation. What is your ministry of reconciliation? Where does it take place? In your workplace. So what is it? It's not compensation, it's contribution. So th- this, is, this is where we got to step back and say, hey, full-time moms, you've got a workplace. Hey, students, you've got a workplace. Hey, th- those of you that are in a position of working in nonprofit and volunteering and any of that, anything. Hey, grandparents, retired, you've got a workplace. What is your contribution? That is your work. That is your Work, And this is where we, we had this opportunity to understand that all work. And here's, here's a couple of things. If you have your, uh, iPad, or your iPad or your phone, you can jump on the notes. And here's the first thing that you need to understand is that all uh, oh, that, I saying, all work is to be done for the betterment and beauty of our world. All work. All work is to be for, uh, to be done for the betterment and the beauty of our world. Adam, your gardener, cultivate what I put in your hands. All these things, I've given to you. All these animals, I give it to you. All this position, I give it to you. Hey, uh, businessman, I've given you a business. Hey, mom, I've given you a family. Hey, dad, I've given you a family. Hey, I, I put all these things in your realm. So that you will cultivate. I put the raw material in you. This is, means so much to God that this is the way he creates. We know at the beginning that he can create it by, just by, by making it happen. Just by speaking it. The first five days he just says it. And it happens. But on the sixth day he says, Adam, mankind, I want to teach you how to take the raw material and create. So I'm going to take the dirt I'm going to form it, and I'm going to create Adam. Hey, ladies, I'm going to take from Adam, I'm going to take a rib. I'm going to take out of the raw material because it's raw. It's it's not real good. It needs refined, okay? We take it out of that, and I'm going to create Eve. He teaches us, even through the way that he creates, that you take the raw material and you produce from it. Everything that we're to do, everything we put our hands to do is to be called forth. I love this, this quote from Dr. Martin Luther King Jr. He says, if a man is called to be a street sweeper, he should sweep the streets as Michelangelo painted, or Beethoven composed music, or Shakespeare wrote poetry. He should sweep streets so well that all the hosts of heaven and earth will pause and say, here lived a great street sweeper who did his job well. Did his job well, 2 Corinthians 9, 6, remember this, a farmer who plants only a few seeds will get a small crop. God's telling us, even, this is Paul talking here, that this is, the, uh, this is your understanding. Your work matters. Your work is essential, but the one who plants generously will get a generous crop. You are saved from sin, but you are saved for a good work. So the question is, what are you cultivating what are you cultivating what are you cultivating then here, here's the second third thing that you need to go to is that all work is to be done for the glory of god all work is to be done for the glory of god first corinthians ten thirty one. so whether you eat or drink or whatever you do do it all for the glory of god do it all for the glory of god Hank Aaron and, uh, uh, and Yogi Berra, two of the greatest baseball players ever to the block. Yogi Berra, the catcher, and, of course, Hank Aaron, the great, one of the greatest hitters, probably the best hitter of all time. In 1957, they were playing in a World Series together. And Yogi Berra had a, a reputation for uh, doing some smack talk when any, when a, any batter would come up. And so when Hank Aaron came up the bat, he began to get under his skin. And he was telling Hank Aaron, hey, I, I've heard that you don't even you don't, you don't know how to even read. Look at that. Yogi, uh, Yogi said to him, hey, you don't even know, don't you know that, that the, the, bat, the, the writing, you need to be looking at the writing? Oh, wait, you can't read the writing? First pitch comes down, right down the barrel. Hank Aaron swings with everything he's got. Totally misses it. Yogi Bear just gets a little bit more going. Yeah, messes with him some more. Eating under him. You can't even read that. What what's wrong with you? What's and it, it, I mean he's upset. Hank Aaron second pitch put into the left field bleachers. Trots around the bases, comes around, taps home. Picks up his bat, looks at Yogi Bear and says, "I didn't come here to read." See, he knew why he was there. This is what you need to understand is that you need to know your why. What is your motivation? What is, what is it that gets you up in the morning? What is it that, uh, uh, what, what, uh, what is my motivation? What, what, what is putting you into this? Uh, Friedrich Nietzsche says this, it says it this way, who, he who has a why to live can bear almost any how. He who has a why to live can bear almost any how. Have the right why. I I read a recent study that uh, was highlighting the fact that uh, in the medical field and the finance field is the highest level of depression. The highest level of depression. But they're also the highest paid professions per capita. And the question was, why are the highest paid industries also, the highest in depression, and they believe—and it's a speculation—but they believe the reason why is the majority of people that go into the medical field and the finance field don't do it because it's their why; they do it because the money's good. So when the when the money is the motivation, there gets to a place where your transcendent purpose doesn't hit home. So you—you you, what's your why? What are you motivated by? What are you going to work? Four, this this is where you have to separate the, the, there is no such thing as secular and sacred. There is no divide between the two. All things are sacred. All things are sacred. What is your motivation? And here's the third thing. All work is a holy offering to the Lord. All work is a holy offering to the Lord. Man, this, is, this is where it's so important that we, we step back and go, what, what am I bringing to God as my offering? It doesn't mean it's easy. There, there's a, an amazing story where Abraham is promised a, a son, and before he has his son, he's in his hundreds, and so he has his, his son, and Uh, His sons going older and getting to the age of being able to take that next step on his own, and God comes to Abraham and says, "Abraham, I need you to give me your son. I need you to sacrifice your son." Abraham takes him to the mountain. Says, "Okay, you you put it in my hands. Seed." Fruit, animals, the resources. You've you placed them in my hand, though I don't understand this. I don't get it. it. Doesn't make any sense. But I'll do it. Gets to the top of the mountain, build the altar, places the sun on the altar. And th- there's a whole other message there because the sun allows himself to be placed on the altar. Your work isn't to be worshipped but your work is your worship see too many times we get that flip flopped around and we worship our work we want people to admire our work and we want people to respect us for our work but our work is not for us, our work is our worship so he puts him on the altar and then God says stop is I've got something else ready. And in the thicket is a ram. See, when we understand and step back and say, God, I I, I realize my work is my worship and what you put into my hands is already there. When When you're ready to give him what he's already given you, he's ready to give you more. Exodus chapter four, verse two there's, I encourage you read this this today or tomorrow, sometime soon. Exodus chapter three and four. God and Moses are having a conversation about his vocation. And Moses calling you to do some work. And your work is going to be worship. And your work is going to be what's pushing you forward. And, and so he says, "Okay, uh, I can't. I stutter. It's back and forth, excuses, back and forth, back and forth." Finally, God goes, hey, Moses, what's that in your hand? Moses' response says, a shepherd's staff. What's in his hand? This is occupation. Not even a really high-level occupation. He's a shepherd. He says, "This this is what I got to offer. And God says, give me that lay it down. He lays it down, it turns into a serpent. He says, this is how you're going to be used by God. His vocation prepared him for what he was going to do. So many times we think, well, if I'm going to be really used by God, i got to go into full-time ministry. No. No. Your workplace, where you contribute, is where God calls you to worship. Please don't limit your worship Sunday. Please don't limit your worship to driving to your work with the worship music on. Please don't limit your worship to the morning devotions. Your devotion to God is your workplace. Lord Jesus, come before you right now lord and just we offer you what you've given us our place of work lord take all of what we are and integrate you into everything every area everything that we are contributing to this world let us be used to glorify you Let it be for the betterment and the beauty of the world you've placed us in. Lord, let us contribute and worship you with our offering of our work. Lord, we give you glory and honor in Jesus' name.